This week's episode is brought to you by the first two periods. Periods one and two, add them together and you don't even need the third. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Seth Faust, and you're watching the Mile High Hockey Podcast for March 27, 2016. We're finally down to the last couple of games of the season, and the Avalanche played some stunners this week. But before we play the whoosh, I am joined by fellow disembodied voice, Earl 06. Hey, Earl. Hello. And Ryan couldn't make it today for some reason. I'm sure it's probably a, a good reason, like he's just better than us or something. On Sunday, Avs lead after two, 3-1 over the Chicago Blackhawks with Mikhail Grigorenko scoring a pair and Sven Andragetto picking up one of his own. Jeremy Smith stopped 19 of 20 in what was a really nice little lead through two for Colorado over a very good team. And then on Tuesday, the Avs played to a draw through two, 1-1 with the St. Louis Blues in a game that got really unnecessarily chippy for some reason. Uh, John Mitchell had the lone tally for Colorado for some reason and Calvin Pickard saved 16 of 17. Also, we need to talk about Jake Allen's pads. Those things are alarming, but later, later. Then on Thursday, Avs lead through two in the first part of a home-and-home with the Edmonton Oilers, 4-2, with goals from Miko Ranton and twice, JT Comfer, and Renee Bork. I honestly forgot this game was happening, and I'm sad that I missed it. It's not every day the Avs score four on anybody. And then finally on Saturday, Colorado exit the second period, trailing Edmonton in Edmonton, 2-1, Andrew Ghetto picking up the Avs loan, Andrew Get goal. So... All in all, not a bad week, eh? Yeah, I thought it was great. So, really? as, as you might expect, really? by uh, three games that you go into the third period tied or leading, and one that you're only down by one, Colorado got zero points. Not good. 6-3 Chicago, 4-2 St. Louis, 7-4 Edmonton, 4-1 Edmonton. And this, it's, I, I mean... I think what is it, the last five games? It's been nineteen to two in the third period, and uh, that's—I mean, I, I can see that happening once in a while. I mean, just you know, every team has a bad third period every once in a while, but every night. And yeah. it's not just a bad third period either. It's four or five goals in the third period. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got some empty netters in there and whatnot, and. But still, um, it's it, and the thing is, it's it's hard to put your finger on one thing. You know, it's a you know, Smitty had a bad night. There were some dumb penalties another time, and you know, there were some good goals by the other team. I mean, it's just it's everything. It's all capped off by no scoring and very little shooting. Right. I mean, this is the team that got outshot by 20 by Arizona not that long ago, so. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just head-scratching. And so I think the scheme for the rest of the season, I mean, well, I mean, at the beginning of the year, the first period was the problem, but now it seems to be the third period for some reason. I think the scheme is going to be, um, if you remember the game, which, I, like I said on Thursday, I totally forgot the game was a thing. Uh, but if you remember it, watch the first two periods, and then just go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I mean, they, they and like many things that have gone wrong for this team, not just this year, but over the past three years. When when something starts happening badly, it it, 
it, it snowballs and it's it becomes almost impossible to correct. Um, and I wish you know again I everyone wants to blame core guys or whatever, but um, you know they, I, I think it's an organizational wide thing because this happens in San Antonio as well. Um, they'll start losing and then they just can't stop. You know, it's, it's, I don't think it's as simple as a structure or a system or even the players. I mean, it's, it's just, it's an organizational wide phenomenon. It's truly bizarre. And I mean, I mean, part of it is just if, if you're a good team, you're likely to win more games and so they're more likely to happen in a row. And if you're a bad time, you're more likely to lose more games and they're more likely to happen in a row. That's some of it. Um, but it's just been alarming to see just the sheer number of ways that they can blow a game that they have handled. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and again, that's, that's what makes it baffling is it's not, it's not the same thing every night. It, you know, it's not like you can say like, you know, what was it? Uh, the, the first Edmonton game, like Carl's line was just terrible, you know, but they were good the game before that. And, you know, it's, it's a different guy or group of guys every night. Um, so it's, it's really difficult to, to say, like, you know, this, this is why this is happening. Yeah, you Carl just, himself has been actually decent this week, to be honest. He's, this is one of the first weeks of the year that he's been clearly out of the running for the scratch of the week. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was on the ice for four of those goals, maybe four, four or five of those goals in the Thursday game. but Which didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, yeah. It's it, it, again. That's it's it's just so frustrating when you're a fan watching this. You you, you know you want to be able to say like, oh, this is all Boschman's fault, or it's you know it's the goalies are being terrible or whatever. But it's it, there's just nothing you can really say. This is exactly it, unless it's the coach or the organization at large. At the start of the year, it was that easy because it was very clearly a goaltending problem. Yeah. And then yeah. everything else went to shit at kind of the same time. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the beginning of the year, there was a goaltending problem and there was, you know, there's some growing pains with getting used to whatever Bednar was trying to do. Yeah, and there was, there was a little bit of shooting luck that wasn't going Lav's way either, but some of that was also because they were shooting from outside a lot. Yeah. And... You know, and and there, there's just a large swaths of that haven't improved at all over the season, and that's that's tough to understand too. You know, it's you either have a very stubborn staff or you have a staff that can't, you know, they they can't figure it out either. So that's kind of troubling. Or you've got players that refuse to do what the staff are asking, and that maybe is uh, not a question that I have an answer for. But it's the thing with that is. The thing I have with that is even if you set out, you know, several of these guys playing pond hockey all the time, I I think they'd be more effective. (laughs) You know, I really do. Probably not wrong. Yeah. I mean, I I think with no structure, they would be better offensively than they are now at times. You know, it's just I I look at the power play, what they do on the power play, and I kind of look at what, you know, McKinnon and and Miko do at five on five. I'm like, you know, if these dudes did that on the power play, I'm talking about Max setting up on the, you know, on the 
we'll call it the near side wall and Miko being on the weak side and doing that roller road pass where he just slams it past the goalie. Uh, sort of the mirror image of the Iggy spot. Uh-huh. I mean, if, if, if they did things like that, I think it would work more often than what they have now. <laughs> it might. <laughs> you know, because you, you've got one less guy defending it. I guarantee you it will be more fun to watch than whatever this has mostly been. Although this week we've had eight fun periods to watch. Yeah. And four catastrophes. Oh, I take that back, seven, because the second period yesterday in Edmonton was just a fucking slog. Yeah. I barely even looked at that period, because every time I did, I just fell asleep. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and the tough thing about that is, is, is you look at the the push-pull chart on, on uh, Natural Stat Trick, and you're looking at it, you're like, you know, these guys should be really kicking ass, and they're not. Um. You know, it's like they, they dominated in, in Corsi last night. And you're just looking at that like, all right, how is this not translating to su- success on the ice? You know, I mean, I can see like, you know, if you're if you're just out Corsiing somebody by three or four shots, you know, all right. Not negligible, yeah. But 19, I mean, come on. You know, it's like they, they had scoring chances out the wazoo. I think at the end of the second period, it was 21-9 for scoring chances. I mean... I think at the end of the first period it was nine to one. Um, for for whatever reason, you know, it's like scoring chances and in high danger scoring chances are not translating into goals, obviously, but they're they're barely even translating into shots. Well, I think a pretty good example of that um, would be the the Avalanche had a two on one. Some I don't remember who it was, but someone made a really nice up ice breakout pass to Carl Soderberg who was just outside the Edmonton blue line. Yeah. And he and I believe Como, but it may have been Bork, came in two-on-one. Yeah. And he makes the pass across, and the other guy takes the shot, and Brassois makes you know the ridiculous-looking save. And I'm sitting there going, I would have made that save because he was re- reading pass from the minute he entered the zone. Like, yeah. You took a high, high-danger opportunity and basically – Started screaming at the goaltender. Here's what we're gonna do. Like, yeah. come on. You know, and then and then Bork cross checks somebody, takes a penalty, and that's where the onslaught began. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that was like the worst play ever. That one play no, summed up. <laughs> no. Uh, Como breakaway pass. Yeah. No. <laughs> But I mean that that one play summed up everything about that game. I mean, yes. it's just Carl had a nice break. You know, he totally telegraphs the pass to Como, and that's fine. If Como had elevated a little bit more, that might have gone in. Um, but then you know it didn't go in, and that's that's not great. But then you get the stupid cross check from Rennie Bork, and you know <laughs> it just just puts it on a platter for McDavid, and boom. You know, maybe he thought he could get away with it, given that Francois Boschman got away with it in the first period. Yeah. <laughs> well, what a cheap shot that was, eh? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Like but, good old kidney know. destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and you could tell from JB's conf- comments after the game, he really didn't like that penalty. I mean, it's dumb. I mean, I think it was behind the net. It's like as far away from your own net as you can get. Uh, it wasn't behind the net. It was kind of like off to the side of it, and there were two yeah. more Oilers between him and the goal. So it's like 
what's your point here? What's what's your yeah. what's your end goal? <laughs> how does this yeah. how does this end well for you? Yeah, he was like a young suburban punk. He was just angry for the sake of being angry. So it goes. Babs <laughs> lose. What is it now? Five in a row. Is it six in a row? Five in a row. Yep. Stuck on forty-three points. Yep. With eight games to get to fifty, and boy, is it looking sketchy. Yeah. So, um, you got Washington coming up. I mean, you've got all. I mean, yeah. It's like there. Dallas is like the only easy. I, I think you went through it last week, and and is it, I think Dallas might be the only easy game left. Well, it depends on um, some things. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll go ahead and, and just list off Calgary, Washington, St. Louis, and then Minnesota, Chicago, Minnesota, Dallas, St. Louis. So, I mean, it depends on which St. Louis shows up, and it depends on which Devin Dubnik shows up, because Minnesota yeah. are in free fall. Yeah, haven't they lost 9 of 11 or something? I think that's true. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you on yeah. a worse streak than the Colorado Avalanche? Poof, boy. Yeah. That could, you know, that that could really derail their season if, if they end up losing to the Avs twice down the stretch. Which is definitely not unheard of, but I mean, I don't know about derail their season. I mean, if if things get so bad that, you know, they end up losing to the Avs twice, I mean, you can't go into the first round of the playoffs with any kind of confidence. Yeah. yeah I don't think they have any now, even if they went like five <laughs> For the rest of the way, yeah, they've already clinched a spot. Um, with yeah. they have ninety-five points, and they have an eight-point lead on third in the division, Nashville. So I mean, and then there's seven back of Chicago. So I mean, the one, two, three in the central is very likely Chicago, Minnesota, Nashville. Yeah, in that order. St. Louis is pretty close to Nashville, though, aren't they? Yeah, they're a point back. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be, yeah it's, it's gonna be. The Wild are pretty much going to end up there. At worst, I mean, if they didn't win another game, they might end up in the wild card spot. But, I mean, still, that's I mean, probably not going Yeah, I mean, realistically, Minnesota are going to play the number three in the division or number two in the division. I mean, they're going to yeah. be two or three, and they're going to play the other one. They don't have that much left of their destiny to change. Boy, Chicago has 102 points. Just... You know, they just sneak right in there. They get their third season and boom, they just tear off. Every year you think this is the one that it starts to fall apart and then this happens. <laughs> They've got ten points on everybody but Minnesota. Yeah. And it, I mean it's like everyone in the Pacific is coming back to the normal. And then you've got three teams in the metro with a hundred points. How about calm down? Yeah. Well, isn't it that didn't Edmonton tie San Jose and Anaheim last night with 91 points? That is true. Yeah. They've won 41 games this year. Yeah. Your Colorado Avalanche have won 20. 20. We've got, we've got 43 points, though. Yeah. 20 wins and 43 points is not great either. The fun stat I heard today was that L.A. only had 22 ROWs, and we have 20. Uh, you heard wrong. They've got 33 ROWs. Really? Yeah. No. It was another L.A. Maybe. 
Was, they probably meant Detroit. Uh, they have 22. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, the uh, the league standings are actually fairly set in stone in the West. Um, you, you'll, it's going to be a race to see who wins the Pacific and gets to play Calgary. Unless Calgary can get up there and pass one of them into third. I mean, that's... But who makes it? I mean, that's pretty just pretty determined. It's nine yeah, points I mean, between St. Louis and L.A. for eighth and ninth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the Kings have no shot. Yeah, they're they're racing for seeding. Meanwhile, in the East, <laughs> you yeah, have that's, that's some fun stuff. Yeah, you've got two teams still within four points of uh, just being in the third third place in the. Atlantic Division, let alone the wild card. So, you think Toronto makes it? We'll see. They're in the position to make it right now with eight games left, and I mean it's going to depend on how they do without Freddie Anderson. But he's had plenty of hot and cold streaks this year, so those cold streaks should have prepared them for this. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're, you're you're putting your full faith and credit in Curtis McElhenney, you know, or maybe Garrett Sparks. I I think they would go with McBackup over Sparks personally. Yeah. Do they have tried Sparks this year? Yeah. McBackup. <laughs> Has it come out what's wrong with Anderson? Upper body. Yeah. Um. So one one more disgusting stat before we move on. The uh, second worst goal differential in the league belongs to Arizona at minus sixty. <laughs> If only. Uh, Colorado are minus 104. Yeah. It's going to be big. Minus 104. They lose by more than a goal a game. Or, or they average losing by more than a goal every game. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and it, it could, I, I think they're probably going to end up, you know, around a, a goal and a half. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Because, I mean, pretty much all season they've been scoring a little less than two and giving up around three and a half. So, <clears throat> And to be honest, the, the three and a half they're giving up, there's plenty of teams around in that, in that range. Um, you know, so I, I think a lot of their goal differential is, is on the scoring side. Yeah. And meanwhile, Washington lead the way at plus 75. So, um, let's look at the last week individually. Who do you want to elevate to the stardom area? I'm going to start with uh, Sven Jurgetto. You know, he's had a couple of goals. Um, he looks good with, with Mac and Miko. I, I think his speed kind of complements Mac's speed, but I think his um, sort of grindiness on the boards in the offensive zone helps both those guys out. Yeah, you know, I think that's you know he's showing he's a good complementary piece for those guys, and even though you probably wouldn't want him you know, as your first line left wing long term, um, you know he's, he's sort of proven to be a, a capable guy on your team. Yeah, when he scored, um, I, the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast said that in eleven games since being uh, traded for, he scored it's he scored points in seven of them. Yeah. So. That's not a bad little trade for Andreas Martinson. Yeah, 
And I mean, that goal was really nice. I mean, yeah, it's Laurent Boursois, but still, I mean, that was, you know, that, that was a nice sort of read of what Barbary was going to do with the puck. He turnstiled the D and then, you know, it was, it, it, he had to complete the nice shot to get the whole thing. So And fight through in a, like a 90s era hook to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so which was going to be called but he scored thank goodness because otherwise who <laughs> power play yeah I will uh, kind of on that same line toss a star Miko Rantman's way because of all the times I said his name for scoring yeah you know you get a two goal he had a two goal game that was nice yeah um he's he's been a little up and down over the past month or so and I'm just gonna attribute that to the you know the sort of funk that's over everyone on the team but um yeah he had a good week Um, any suggestions for number three because i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of maybe almost yeah exactly you know it's like i i really like what barbario is doing one thing i like about him is he he can think and react very fast. He doesn't always make the right decision, but he makes a decision very fast and acts on it. And that's something that's just sorely lacking from a lot of guys, uh, especially on the defense. I mean, they just they choke a lot of times because they think about everything and, and end up just passing it to someone on the other team. Or but, uh, punt. Yeah. But, it, you know, you look at the Andrigetto goal, I mean, that was a puck that was up in the air. He had a guy about to slam into him. He catches it, puts it down on the on the ice, and then immediately, like before I could even think of it, slaps it to an area that Andrigetto could get to. You know, it was a, it was a really good decision, uh, a nice safe play because Edmonton was changing, so it, it worked out really well. But it just it it seems like he's able to think and react a lot faster than a lot of people are willing to. He's got eight points, Barbario does, in mm-hmm. 26 games. Yeah, I mean, for a guy on waivers and he's playing first-line minutes, you know, well done pro scouts, I guess. Yeah. I mean, over over the same amount of time, that wouldn't put him too far behind Tyson Berry's 34 and 66. I mean, he'd be behind it, but not by a whole lot. He'd be in the yeah. upper 20s. Yeah, I mean it's you know, and they're 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 putting them in different roles. Like I, I noticed that they they had uh, Lindholm and he out there together a bunch last night. You know, trying to trying to get Lindholm away from Frank a little bit. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, Not Hampus needs help. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, I, I don't know if that says more about Barbario or or Lindholm, but um, you know, it's just it's nice to see a guy that. You know, you pick up for nothing that is able to contribute. Hopefully, you know, he's signed for next year, so unless he gets picked up in the expansion draft, he's going to be back. On the downside, who do we who do we turn to? I, I think the I start with Rennie Bork just because of that penalty. Just because it was so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. And, you know, that – and. It seems like whatever line he's on, he makes worse in, in many different ways. 
He has a little bit of John Mitchell disease, Donnie, where the plate just dies on his stick. Yeah, and he's... I've said this before, but he's exceptionally bad at when he's the wing on the boards in the defensive zone. When he gets the puck, he's really good at getting it really close to the blue line, but not out. (laughs) That... I mean, it happens at least once or twice a game where he does that and then it, it turns into extended zone time for the opponent, and it's just it's horrible to watch. Yeah. And in his defense, other people do it too. I mean, right. Grigorenko does it a lot. I, you know, Landis Gog does it a lot. But, you know, it's just it's, it's something I key in on Bork with his play. You know, I, I liked Landis Gog a lot in the beginning of the game on Saturday night um, when he found himself carrying the puck up ice like a defender yeah. and then making a big stretch pass to left winger Fedor Tutin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of wondered if I had eaten something I shouldn't have at that point, but I, apparently, that, what... apparently that really happened. Yeah. I know, and it's like, you got to wonder what Barry was thinking. <laughs> you know, it's like, why he's watching his opponent just skate blindly up the ice. <laughs> You're like, uh, maybe he's trying to send me a message. <laughs> this is what it feels like. <laughs> Barry's just like, dude, my job. Um, as so far anyway. as other scratch, I'd, I'd have to give my last scratch to Jeremy Smith. Um I think we find a, found out once and for all what his ceiling is, and it's it's probably not as an NHL goalie. Um, it's too bad he's a nice guy. It's a great story, but um, you know, on the, on this team, it's just he's he's you know he's too leaky. <laughs> uh, that's not a good word. <laughs> Third, third and final scratch. I think that you probably wouldn't disagree with me too heavily if I threw it behind the bench. Yeah. Because uh, I, as, as we yeah. were talking before the, before the show proper, and uh, as we will get to in the wonderful Q and A that you have provided for us, Earl, and that the that the readers definitely answered with gusto. Um, not a whole lot has changed for the positive over the year, and. You'd think that some things will start to get fixed, and they're just not, not getting fixed. Yeah, and you know it's it's kind of it's kind of weird just because of the way Patrick handled things at the end of last year. You know, saying, you know, I'm doing my job; these guys aren't. You know, and and maybe there's some of that going on, but you know, I just I don't I don't see. I don't see much other than stubbornness in trying to force things that aren't working um, from the staff. And it seems like the only way that they respond to um, bad defense is to kind of shut things down. <clears throat> um, we've kind of seen over the past few weeks that um, they've kind of they've, they've, tr- they've tried to tighten up the whole game and what it's done, it's it's sort of made the Avs more low event, but it's really hurt their shot attempts. You know, they, for the for the season, they're kind of like fifty eight shot attempts per sixty, but for the last few weeks, they're only about fifty. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think when they do that, it just makes it even harder to score. And just uh, you know, I, I don't, 
I, I don't agree with trying to trying to force that. You know, I, I think they should probably try to play more wide open. You know, I'd rather see them try to win games nine to seven, or even lose games seven to nine. You know, but if you're losing five to one every night and you're playing really tight, it's just, you know, it's it's just not smart. Yeah, like 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 we were saying before, if they just went up there and said, "Go play shitty for an hour," the team might might actually have a better record. Yeah, it's you know, and anything would be better than what we're witnessing on the power play right now. Um, you know, who, whoever you choose to blame for that, whether you you know believe it's Tim Army or whether you think it's the current staff bringing in their power play or, or whatever it is, but you know, they're, they're five for their last 74, you know, that's just, that's a joke, you know, <laughs> you can't, you know, I don't care what you're doing. There's, 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 there's a point you get to when you're just like, this isn't working, you know, just roll lines or whatever, just play five V five hockey. If it's on the power play. And I, I know he's tried that to an, an extent, We've seen the fourth line and the third line out there at times on the power play. But, you know, five for 74, that's just killing the team. So, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm a little distracted right now because Casey of uh, BSN and formerly a friend of the show and so forth has just told an incredible story on Twitter. <laughs> I was telling the story to someone else earlier and thought Twitter might like it. Once upon a time, my dad worked in a facility whose job it was to prepare nuclear waste for storage and research containment methods. Fun stuff, right? This is the late yeah. 90s, early zeros. So dad's doing a supply requisition one month for his unit, ordering all the whatevers you order to contain nuclear wastes, inventorying smocks and dosimeters and shit. On the requisition sheet, he adds 2x fallopian tubes with all the usual bits and pieces. <laughs> <laughs> his all-male co-worker force proceeded to go through the order then stop none of them know what a fallopian tube is <laughs> they look through all the catalogs and can't find them this was pre-ordering all your shit online and nobody wanted to be the first to admit he didn't know what a thing was <laughs> finally after hours they just wrote a, a whole bunch of question marks by the tubes on the requisition sheet, then passed it off to the office manager, who proceeded to lose her shit laughing because she was the only woman in the office. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's a great story. <laughs> so, speaking of stories, a couple of odds and ends around the Avalanche this week. Uh, they've announced, finally, a couple of official... Uh, Dates for Colorado to play against the Ottawa Senators in Sweden to open up next season. That's November 10th and 11th. Uh, pretty good little outlet to build the European fan base. Gabe Landis, Gog, Eric Carlson, pretty popular guys. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm told that Carl Soderberg also is Swedish, but not, not <laughs> a banner year for that guy. Um, <laughs> if you are a European-based listener, first of all, hello. And second, hit up your Lance who are organizing some kind of a thing. They've had uh, a lot of response for whatever that thing is, so shout over at them and see what's going on to uh, organize to go check out Colorado and Ottawa. Yeah, I think tickets go on sale on the 29th for that. I'd, I'd imagine that's going to be pretty popular around the world. 
And then it is also frozen four time again. Harvard and Duluth have already both landed their spots. Notre Dame is up against UMass Lowell as we record. And later tonight, it's fan favorite Denver U up against Penn State, who actually pounded the hell out of Union in the first round, 10-3. to So, assuming DU win tonight, they'll be in the national semifinal on April 6th on ESPN2. Keep your eye to it. Uh, Tyson Jones, North Dakota, fell in the first round to Boston. They did. Um... Yeah, Union looked like the Avs. <laughs> they gave up five in the uh, third period yesterday. Ouch. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I caught a little. I caught. I caught Jost's game. That was, you know, he looked good. He looked like he he was looking for a pro contract heading off the ice at the end. Um, I caught the first bit of. Uh, Butcher's game yesterday. I I saw him score the fourth goal in I think ten minutes. And I was like, they got this. So uh, you know, it's nice that you know he that that should be a good game tonight. Uh, hopefully, Cam Morrison and Notre Dame can win their game that's going on right about now. And that would mean that Morrison and, and Butcher would face each other if if DU ends up winning. So that that would be fun. All right, so let's turn to the uh, the brains of our fans and readers at Mile High Hockey who have so gracefully helped us out this week because despite there being four games, it's just so hard to come up with new things to say after four more losses every week. <laughs> well, I'll just kind of go down the list, and uh, if you wanted to ask any that I leave out, then feel free to uh, to throw those in. Uh, we'll start at the top with DB Hammer, who says, I'm sure you guys will talk about these topics a lot going forward, but number one, would you fire Bednar if you were GM? Um, I would not, because I, as GM, would also be getting fired. I would not have that ability. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Um, you know, we, we, we've heard that there are you know, there's definitely concern on the on the part of KSE whether, you know, what what the management group currently is doing or is is not embarrassing. Um, so that that's I, I think it depends on that. I, I, I think if Sackick somehow sticks around, that um, that that's going to be a tough decision for him. I'm I'm kind of the opinion that it looks like. Maybe Jared Bednar does not have the full faith of the room behind him anymore. Um, just seems like we had some comments from Landeskog and Eric Johnson this week that that sort of hint that they don't really have confidence in the coach to fix what's wrong, and, and maybe that's part of what we're seeing a lot of lately. So, I also uh, don't seem to have a whole lot of answers for fixing the constant systemic issues that keep showing up. And by systemic, I don't mean system. I mean more like chronic. That's a better word than systemic. Yeah. Maybe septic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, we, we talked about this last week, but I think we all agreed that, you know, by now we should have been seeing a little bit more than we are and, and seeing a little bit more flexibility by the coaching staff to to work with what's what's there and what's working. And, you know, I, I think 
I think it was a good step forward from what Patrick tried to do. Um, but it's sort of like going from 2007 to 2011. You know, it's like they're, they're still quite a bit behind the rest of the league as far as what they're trying to do. Yeah. So, I mean, would I, would I let the guy go? Probably. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only saving, the only thing I could see that could save him is if they could bring in someone that was, you know, a fantastic offensive mind that could take care of those problems. Because I, I do think what he tries to do defensively and in the neutral zone it isn't horrible, um, unless you're Tyson Berry. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, I think there's something you could work with there. Um, yeah. And honestly, the Avalanche neutral zone game has been steadily improving as the years gone on, but everything else has just been a tire fire. Yeah, I mean, if you can't score, I mean, you know, it really doesn't matter, you know, if you're standing guys up at the blue line and stuff. I mean, it, um, you know, again, I mean, scoring less than two goals a game is just ridiculous. Right. You know. <laughs> the, DB Hammer also asked should the Avs trade another core piece with a looming Duchesne or even Landeskog trade so I don't uh, so do you, do you read that question to mean on top of a Duchesne trade or should the Duchesne trade happen I'm just assuming Duchesne's getting traded okay I think that's probably a safe assumption and yeah. probably the right move yeah um, I, you know I I don't think Landis Gog's in any danger of being traded. First of all, he's about to get surgery, so I, you know, I, I don't think he could get cleared by another team enough to want him bad enough before uh, the amateur draft, which is when you'd think something like this would have to go down. <clears throat> so, I mean, I think he's pretty safe, and I wouldn't want to see him go anyway. Um, and even uh, if def- he did go because he just had the surgery, he's not going to get the value that he otherwise could. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a million reasons not to trade him. You know, plus it, it's you know, it's, it kind of sounds like he cares about the team, right. you know, and I like that. Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I think there's a, there's a chance Barry could get traded, and it and that would really have to depend on on what Matt Duchesne would get back in a trade. Um, it just seems like, you know, that. That for for what management did this um, this past summer, you know, going through uh, arbitration and you know, it, it's just you know, he he kind of pushed them, and then he got himself a big contract, and he he's really not paying off. Um, now it, it, like I said just a few minutes ago, you know, he he obviously doesn't fit very well into what Bednar and Pratt do. Um, maybe he would with a different coach. So maybe he's better to, to stick around, but, um, you know, I, I think they'd consider it if, if, if they got a nice defenseman for Duchesne, they might consider trading him for a forward or maybe even some draft picks. They might, if it becomes a cap consideration, uh, the, the point about the future of the coaching staff is an important one. And if coach Bender is let go, like the day after the last game of the season, which I am a little bit suspicious is the plan, <laughs> um, then I wouldn't expect to see Tyson Berry go because the he's still he still produces offensively like we like we said earlier he's got 33 points it's just a matter yeah. of is he the right fit for the way this team plays not sure um I you know it, it's also tough to say without knowing what the defense is going to look like next year I mean you know did, I I think Bye out, Bushman. It's become, <laughs> exactly Bye out, Bushman. do it do it do it 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, we, we forget that there's a big Russian guy that hasn't been on the ice in many weeks. And I, I think he could be really helping out with things that are going wrong now. That's something to take in consideration. If they get a defenseman that's ready to play, you know, or let's say at least close to being ready to play top four minutes in the NHL, you know, that really changes things. Because then you're, you're starting to look at the defense and you're like, wow, you know, this, this isn't that bad. I still hold that the defense this year shouldn't have been that bad. The injury to Eric Johnson was hor- horribly destructive. And then yeah. when they finally got him back, losing Zadorov means we never really got to see the defense do what it could have done. Yeah. You end up over-relying on Boishman and Tutin, and then that's when they're a problem. Yeah. Um, but anyway. And, and then, I mean, you look at things like, all right, Barbario is just some dude on waivers. He comes in. He looks great. We might want to keep him for a while. He's signed, so that's nice. Yeah. Uh, Lindholm, you know, he's been making some errors, but you know, for a guy that's in his first five games, you know, he looks pretty good. So he looks all right. He led directly to a goal against recently when he completely failed on, on getting the puck out. But that's yeah. the only that's the only time I noticed him. Exactly. Which we talked about well, last week. If I notice a defense, but it's only bad. Yeah. No, he, he pulled a Randy Bork, and it, you know, <laughs> they and, put and it in the net. He pulled a Randy Bork, and then he fell down, and then it went in the net. Yeah. You know, and and. You know, we're hearing rumors that that Andre Mironov might be on the way soon. Um, you know, that's that's something that might be another good addition to sort of the the bottom, you know, bottom four guys in the in the rotation and stuff like that. So, I mean, you put all that together, and, and the defense starts looking not so bad. So, I. You know, I'd rather not get rid of Barry. It just seems like if you could ever get the Barry that we had a few years ago back. Um, you know, fully supported by other members of the defense that, you know, he'd be a really nice guy to have on the team, and you just hate to give that up for very little. Right. It's, that's kind of one where I could, it's like, I could see a universe where a Barry trade makes sense. I'm not necessarily advocating for it. Yeah. So, um, Niwat's Blessing followed up with a couple of questions to those questions, one of them being, would you fire Sack if you were KSE? Um... I mean, I don't think it's in the best interest of the franchise to, to fire Sackick, but I do think it's in the best interest that he brings in somebody that's sort of a consultant and an older statesman of the league that has connections throughout the league that can um, just sort of do GMing things a lot better and is able to clear out the dead weight that is left over from 20 years of being the Colorado avalanche. You know, they've, they've, they've really got a means test everyone in the organization from scouts all the way up to, you know, head of scouting, head of development, all that. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that are going wrong at once. They just, they really have to figure out who's doing their job and who isn't. And I think if you change the GM, you're putting all that on hold for a year. Whereas if you bring in someone to consult with Joe or, or maybe be an assistant GM that's you know the number two guy in the organization, they can start moving you know some of the lower level guys in and out and making the organization better quicker. So I kind of felt the same way um, back in February. 
And then when, when the trade deadline came and went and Colorado failed to net even a single draft pick in the 2017 entry draft, that for me that was unforgivable. And yeah. I, I felt like Sackett should have been gone at that point. Now I think it's probably too late to do that. I, I don't think it'll happen. I, I do still think it's time to move on. Well, I just I, – I, I see like if you change the guy who's at the top, then you're leaving everyone who's underneath him in place for another year. And I, I would rather bring in someone you – know, leave the guy at the top but sort of marginalize his role and start making some changes lower down in the organization. Um, you know, I, I think adding to the organization would be better than just – swapping out the the top guy that's probably more realistic to what will actually happen um but i think the uh i think the full house cleaning is needed yeah i mean it all right the benefits to bringing in a new gm are that hopefully that person will know exactly what to do right off the bat with matt duchene and can get what the organization needs for that make decisions on you know, I mean, there's a ton of stuff, you know, it's like, we really got to buy out Boshman, you know, is Joe going to do that? I don't know, but that needs to happen. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff that is coming up in the two months after the season that, you know, if you swap GMs, you, you know, you got to protect your, your eight guys or whatever it ends up being. You know, you've got your amateur draft, even, you know, it's like the Avs didn't get any picks, but they still have seven picks in this draft, and it's it's quite important. We're going to have the top pick somewhere, first four picks for sure. You know, that's that's pretty much a franchise decision. And that's why but, I don't think it's happening, because it needed to happen already. It's, it's yeah. you're in a time crunch if you try to do that now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I... Uh, you know, it, they have sort of a glacial pace of doing things, and they're very loyal to everybody. So I can I understand why it hasn't. But it just comes down to: Do you trust Joe to handle all of those things? And yeah. uh, based on the track record and based on the team that he's built, that's at this current point, I would say no. Yeah. Now you've got three huge things to take care of. You've got your expansion draft. You've got trading Duchesne. And you've got the first pick. And it's like those three things have to just go bonkers. You have to just kill it on all three. And, you know, I, you know, I, I can see why nobody would have that much faith that Saka could pull that off. He also asked, should KSE sell the franchise? But I think everyone's been yelling about that for long enough. I don't think KSE has a single good team. Um, so Tiger Vixen... I, I can't see any reason why they would. <laughs> I, nor can I, but we can dream. Uh, yeah. Tiger Vixen has a couple of good questions. I had to kind of choose from them. Uh, so y'all do a good job of spreading the topics around. Prospect Palooza and the Jost question. John Shannon says he's taking a week to decide. What does that really mean? Do you know what she's talking about here? Because I wasn't able to find that. I, could, I saw on the 25th that he tweeted that there have been no talks with the Avs yet. Yeah, he tweeted yesterday that um, he thinks that Jost is going to take a week to think about it. Um, you know, this isn't a Brock Besser situation where, you know, the ads could use him right off the bat. Um, and I, you know, I, I honestly don't think 
Jost is is ready to play with this caliber of team right now. I, I, I don't see any positives coming out of it. Yeah, that, that's so, how she ended the question was guys like, what did you just say? Boser? Brock Besser, yeah. Besser. Guys like Besser and Keller signed and played right away. I, I just I don't see any positives to bringing him into this locker room either. Let yeah. Him, let him start fresh in October. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, he his if he signed right now, his contract could slide, so he could play now and it wouldn't take a year off his ELC. But, um, you know, I just I, I don't see any upside in that, really. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's definitely something the Avs are, are, you know, wanting to do. I mean, um, you know, AJ mentioned that, you know, what he's heard is that the Avs are interested in signing him soon. Yeah, and, so. and Chambers has been saying that as well for months. And if there's yeah. if there's any time that it's okay to listen to Chambers NCAA things is that is that time. Yeah, you know, and it, you know we've we've heard from various sources that that as soon as DU is eliminated that they're gonna start talking to Will Butcher and, and that he's prepared to accept what they're gonna offer. Um, so it's you know you, you've got three guys there you've got. Um, you've got Butcher, Marinov, and Jost that appear to be, you know, probably a fair bet to sign in the next few weeks. We've got Malosh and Bodan, who, even though the Avs haven't announced it yet, they have signed. So, and you know, then, uh, they're, they're doing some Butcher good. And... Yeah. <coughs> Still yeah. trying to restock the cupboard for from all those years of selling. Still trying to fill it back up. That's well, going to be nice. I mean, and. You know, I'm looking at what the rampage might look like next year for defense, and it's you know, for the first time in a long time, it, it looks like we might not need a useless vet like Matt Clark. Um, you know, if, if if Duncan is is willing to accept the captain role down there, and you know, he could be he could be the veteran guy. Um, you know, Butcher may even be a rookie, but he's he's going to be. You know, bigger his age, so he's basically as old as a third-year pro. Um, so you know, you're going to have some experience down there that doesn't come from someone outside of the organization being brought in. You know, you're you're having experience that with guys that have been in the organization for a while, and you know, I that I, I think that's going to make some nice depth. Um. You know, and, and I think within two or three years, that's really going to start paying off up at the NHL level. So the rest of her question that I kept was, with two weeks left of the season, is anything going to happen now? If, if someone's getting fired, it has to happen fairly quick. No? And will anyone get a token call-up? Um, we already kind of went into that. I, I do believe that Bender is believed of his duties before the playoffs begin. Um, yeah. that, that's my expectation. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's, you know, I, I think that might be something that if KSC is really interested in swapping out the GM, that's, that's something that the new GM would do. That's, but, that's also a possibility. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but it's probably, that conversation has to have already happened by now. Um, but who, who gets called up? Do you think we see AJ Greer again? Do you think we see Siemens? I don't know. The Avs have one more call up. Um, you know, I, they don't obviously seem to be in a hurry to use it. Um. <laughs> and, and if they want to use it on AJ Greer, there may be reasons for that, as we've heard a few times before. 
Yeah. I mean, he's kind of struggling right now. Um, I'd say just on merit, he probably, you know, they probably wouldn't be dying to, to call him up right now. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out why. Uh, he kind of tailed off scoring-wise a couple weeks ago, and I'm starting to think he's he, he's kind of hit the wall. I mean, you know, he started off this year at age 19. Um, even though he played a full half season of junior hockey, which is a greater tempo than the NCAAs, you know, he's never really had a full-on start-to-finish 70-80 game season. So, um, you know, I think, he, I think he might have hit the wall a few weeks ago. So he, he might not be a good good guy to call up now. Um, Bigger just got hurt. He's got an LBI. Um, so if it's something that's minor and he, can get, he comes back right away, then maybe he might get a call up. You know, I'd love to see Duncan, but you never know. Um, but I think it's, it's probably between those guys. You would know a lot more about that than I, so I will just leave that out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, long list of things coming from Chanta. I've chosen this one. Do you think Joe's in the first pick will be in the lineup next year? That's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I think if we get Nolan Patrick, yes, but I think I, I just don't see, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about any of the other guys that, that we could pick in the first round being NHL ready right off the bat. Um, you know, I was just watching this afternoon, Owen Tippett play, you know, I, I'd say he, he'd almost definitely go back for another year junior. Um, I haven't seen Velarde. Um, he's another guy that would probably be in the discussion for, for a top four pick. Um, but I, I don't think he's NHL ready. Uh, I watched the last couple games of the Ruin Naranda Huskies versus Fisher. Um, he, he's very exciting. Um, I don't think he's NHL ready. So I, I, I think unless we get the number one pick and get Nolan Patrick, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jost will be in the NHL next year. I think at worst he might take 20, 30 games in the AHL, but, um, and be on the, be on the roster by December. Yeah, you know, a lot a lot of that depends on what else happens this summer, so it's just it's so hard to predict. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of turmoil where there there's definitely the possibility for that, so controversy. No, I mean it's just, you know, it's like are they really going to trade Duchesne? I mean, if Sackick sticks around, I mean, he can't trade anybody. I mean, he might just end up not trading Duchesne. It's cuz he sucks at it. <laughs> so <laughs> but she kind of finished off that thought with some interesting kind of observations that things could look a lot different with Confer and Greer in the lineup as well, maybe Andrigetto and Nieto, and then assuming Duchesne's gone, hoping the Avalanche can get a very maybe good defenseman, but preferably an excellent top pairing defenseman. I mean, that's that's we, we kind of already talked about how the defense might look with in the aftermath of a Duchesne trade. We didn't think about how the forward core may look in the aftermath of a Duchesne trade. Um, because then you see you really have to go with the youth movement or you've got a lot of like replacement level dudes that you've signed in the off season just to fill space. It could go one of two ways. One's terrible I mean, to watch. One's good to watch. Yeah, I mean I don't see any downside to playing a lot of the young guys next year. I mean uh, I just I don't see any upside to signing Rennie Borks anymore. No. Nah, you know? Not at all. 
and, um, and hopefully whoever is in position to make decisions, be it Joe or someone new, kind of feels that same way. Because even though we're not overloaded with talent like a lot of organizations, there's still enough that you could craft a pretty decent roster out of you know what we're going to have left over on NHL contracts as well as you know the younger guys that have played in the AHL this year. <clears throat> um, you know, I just I, I think unless you're you're kind of making deals or you know picking up guys that are. 25 or less that that signing any free agents that are you know 28 and above is is pointless you know if if you're playing you know for two or three years down the road which you should be i mean you really should be saying all right if this guy's 24 right now he's going to be 26 or 27 by the time the abs are really going to be competing for real stuff then you know that's what you should start out with yep so um to keep things moving as i think we are right up against the hour mark here g roberts who i believe is a denizen of st louis game time is that right yeah uh he's definitely from st louis says uh for the podcast or anyone else for that matter if sackick were to get the boot do you have confidence in mcfarland taking over as gm um it's tough for me to say just because it's tough to isolate what he does apart from everyone else i completely agree um I wouldn't say I have confidence. I, would, I also wouldn't say I'm totally against it because apart from the inability to, to acquire a single 2017 entry draft pick, um, the ever since McFarland has come on, I feel like the team have made mostly good decisions. Made better decisions, yeah. Um, I mean, they haven't had any home runs, but I mean, it's not they've it's been steadily improved. I mean, he was here last spring when they traded you know, draft picks and futures for Bodker and Matthias. So, I mean, you know, he, you can indict him with that if you want. Again, it's it's tough to say whether he was just screaming no in Joe's ear and he did it anyway or whether he was you know, saying, do, do it, do it, you know. So, when, when did he join the front office then? Uh, it was after Patrick's second year. I must have my timeline all messed up. Okay. Yeah. So then if, if, uh, we're, if we're going all the way back to Bodker Matthias, and of course that's also during while Waugh was here and Waugh may have been saying, hey, we're trying to make a playoff run here, guys. Give me some guys. Yeah, I mean, they could have said no. They could have. <laughs> they, they could have. They very well could Let's have. Do it, man. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That, that's where you need your $500,000 consultant. Yeah. Or, uh, strike that. $200,000 consultant who sits in the meeting room and goes, uh, 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 don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, Haven't it's... you already said that once this year? You gave me two. Don't do that. Yeah. No, you need a potato or you need a guy like that. I mean, you it's need just, a potato. You know, the the potato <laughs> not have made that trade. So that's still my favorite post from the pension planners of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing how well it would have worked too. Um, so the the answer to the first question seems to be mm, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, as it stands right now, he's not giving me any reason to be, you know, very confident that he could take over and do a, a fantastic job. We, but we, we would give that. There's nothing because he couldn't either. Yeah. There's no screaming no, and there's no, but it's, it's kind of a skeptical eye. Uh, second question: What would be your top two scoring lines for next year, assuming Jost signs? I don't know. I 
I don't roster bait, so I don't. I, I you know, it's like it, there, there should be such a, a vigorous amount of turnover, and there's so many unknowns as far as who we're going to take in the draft and what they're really going to look like as far as next year's camp goes and all that. That you know, and it depends. I'm going to say I'm going to say that Miko and Mac are going to be there, and four other guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Miko with Mac and then just God I, I hate like I feel like in hockey it should be like center and forward because there's so much rotation all the time so I yeah. forgive me for forgetting whether Rantanen is a left or right winger I I mean he's better on the right wing okay so he... I mean if you have Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen you've got a line yeah and then you've got uh, Duchesne question mark? Well, you know, GT Comfer, I know everyone wanted to project him as a, you know, a third line grinder and stuff like that, but he's probably the Avs' best defensive center right now. He's been showing all right, but I don't see the third line in the the NHL in 2017 as a grinder. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, might not be optimum, but maybe, you know, maybe you could see a a second line of of Sven Draghetto and Comfer and Jost, you know, I mean, that wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. He'd be really young. You know, maybe you swap Sven Draghetto and Landy just to give a, a little bit of age to that line. But, you know, something like that might work. And then if you, if you don't trade Duchesne, I mean, you can still have the, have Duchesne with, with Nieto, which has actually not been terrible when Duchesne has been engaged. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Because we forget about Nieto, I think, in these conversations, because he didn't score this week. Yeah. And I don't see him on a scoring line long term, but maybe a third. Yeah, I think he could be, you know, a very good third or fourth liner. Um, third third line could be could be uh, Confer with, uh, with Jost and Nieto. Yeah. You know, it's like you're going to have Greer in there in the mix. Uh, you know... Could have something like Greer, Patrick, and Nieto as your third line. I mean, yeah, if the Avs have Patrick, he will be on between second and third line most of the year, with some bounces to fourth in the bench every once in a while, depending. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's you know, I I don't think it's going to be horrible. I mean, I you know, there there was definitely a question in there, and you might get to it soon whether the Avs could actually be worse next year. And I, you know, oh, you I, spoiled my joke. <laughs> I was going to preface that as optimistic. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Well, just edit that out and do it now. <laughs> you think I'm going to do post-production? Please. <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I, even though I don't know what it's going to look like other than Mac and Miko are going to be in the top two lines, I, you know, I, I really don't have a problem with, with how they're going to play. You know, I, I I think even just doing stupid things would make this team better. Even if you do three smart things this summer, and it doesn't matter what they are, the team's going to be a lot better. Right, and hopefully we see. I, I still think that the biggest problem remains in the depth forwards, and bringing up a lot of the uh, youth movement should start shoring that up. So yeah, we, we can we can finally get to the that optimistic question. What are the chances that this team is even worse next year? And I would say next to none. Yeah. This is a this is a historical event you're watching. Or not watching, if you're smart. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you'd honestly have to put, like, the Colorado Eagles in avalanche uniforms to make this team work. And that's no slight on the Eagles. They're a very good ECHL team. But, um, you know, it's just... I just think there's so many things that have been mishandled from, you know, before last summer all the way through to right now that, you know, it's sort of a perfect storm of stupidity. So were there any questions that you wanted to get to that I glossed over? Um, let's see. Yeah, that's that's about the the only other thing you know we, we might have talked about like what what do you think about you know are are there going to be guys from the Avs that are going to jump on the the world um, world championships? Do you think everyone on the team is going to be so burnt out that they're not going to be up for it? Or that's kind of my suspicion, and then especially with uh, with the U.S. men looking like as of right now they're going to boycott world championships in solidarity with the women's team. Um, Eric Johnson was probably the about the best chance that Colorado had for a lock for for world championships outside of someone like Landis Gog, who we've we've mentioned is supposed to have some work done. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean well, Comfort played in the champ- world championships last year, so I, I don't know if that was a token thing just to get he and, and uh, Connor and. Uh, Who's the third guy? Whatever, but the, the the three guys that were together at Michigan last year all together on one line there. <laughs> Maybe, but you know he's got experience there. They might be interested. You know, again, let's let's take the the women's thing out of it. They might ask him back. You know, Pickard played for Canada last year and won. So, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. But I, I have a feeling that after this season, that a lot of the guys are going to be like uh, hockey, nah. <laughs> you know what actually sounds good is splitting weekends between Vegas and heavy CrossFit for about a month. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I just, I, I think a lot of guys are going to be interested in doing stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with hockey until at least May. Yeah, and I, and I really do hate to gloss so much over the. Uh, the, the whole story with the U.S. women's national team because it's such an like a, a big deal, such an important deal that is getting glossed over in general. Um, but my throat is starting to fall out, as you may be able to hear in my voice. Yeah, I mean that's a twenty-minute issue for sure. Yeah, and maybe, maybe next week we'll, we'll there may be some resolution because there's been a lot of talks on it. We'll get we can get to it then. Um, speaking of next week, the death march continues in Alberta on Monday. It's a seven o'clock Mountain start against the Calgary Flames. Then on Wednesday, we turn our attention back to the Pepsi Center for an 8 o'clock start against the Washington Capitals. Thanks, NBC exclusivity window. You're a bastard. On Friday, the Blues are back in town, 7 o'clock again. And then on Sunday, Colorado travel to Minnesota for an early one against the Wild. 4 o'clock mountain to start. Each game will be on altitude. Your predictions go. I mean, none of those jump out at me as as solid win potential. Um... I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say they win one game. I said that last week and they didn't, but you know they'll come through this time. I think. I'm gonna say it, it, the one win. I'm gonna say Minnesota is probably the best shot at it, but they might, you know, they might do something nutty like beat Washington. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
even in the beginning of the year when it looked like they might not be disastrous, they were completely outclassed by Washington. Now Washington's yep. in playoff form. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, they could, you know, they could rest a bunch of guys, you know. That's going to be a good game to watch so that you can um, do your homework in advance of becoming a Washington Capitals bandwagon fan for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know what Calgary's been doing lately. They're. I know they're not an amazing team, but they're not like terrible or anything. No, they've been winning a lot of games lately. And then you've got uh, St. Louis, who can be up and down, who we've seen Colorado can hang with for at least two periods. Yeah, I jinxed them last time, so I'm not calling that. And then you've got Minnesota, who have been just stumbling. Yeah, they've been terrible. I, you know, I'd say that's, you know, that that's that's the one that's at home, right? Uh, no, nope, that one's on the road. Uh, that one's on the road? Yep. Um, then I'll give it an even less shot of winning one this week. But uh, <laughs> I, I think the Minnesota game that's coming up at home is one that they're going to want to win. So... That's a little bit later on. Yeah. Well, not too much later. There's only eight games left. <laughs> I know. It's so exciting. We're almost there, y'all. Um, I, I, I think that they win one in overtime this week. I'll get that specific. Yeah. Because I think these teams will be, you know, if they'll get actually play a full 60-minute okay game, and whoever it's against will be going, okay, this is the Colorado Avalanche. Let's guarantee we get a point. And then, uh, then they'll win it in overtime because Colorado are not bad three on three. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I, I look at where each of these teams are. Like Washington's in a just crazy division, so they're going to need the points. Calgary really needs the points. The Blues need the points. Minnesota really doesn't, and they're not very good right now. So that's that seems to be the likeliest victim for the Abs. Right, and also the likeliest overtime victim. Yeah. Yeah, Abs blow a 3-1 lead in the third period and end up fluky goal in overtime. <laughs> Hilarious Gabe Landeskog overtime game winner number 45. All the Minnesota fans getting mopey about it. Remember when they when he started the year winning every overtime game with just something goofy and ridiculous? Yeah, that could happen. He's got that. Like scoring an overtime winner off Jonathan Quick's butt, stuff like that. <laughs> Good old butt goal. Didn't he feed John Mitchell for one, too? I don't... Uh, in overtime? Yeah. Uh, maybe in preseason. I, did, I think that was last year, because John Mitchell didn't score. I can't imagine John Mitchell in overtime <laughs> and me not remembering it. Yeah. I think my eyes would fall out of my head. Yeah. Because he does one thing well, and that's keep the puck away from five defenders. You give him all that ice, and he would just go, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Um, so, I think we're pretty united in predicting pain. Yeah. How soon Plenty do you of... think we think we see that last call up? Is it we think it'll be this week? <sighs> I, I I don't know. I mean it you know, it should have been sooner. It, yes, it uh, should have. <laughs> but we're not what, dealing in shoulds. What what are what is the last week like as far as games as far as home and away? Is, I think that's a little more home heavy, right? Uh they have Next week it's home Tuesday, home Thursday, road Saturday, road Sunday. So you think maybe okay. we see the last call up come in on Monday the third? Yeah, like the the rampage are on the road right now. And they'll they'll get back to San Antonio on Wednesday. They've got a weekend series against 
somewhere, and then they go to Charlotte at the end of the year. So maybe before the the Charlotte series, because they they still have another week after the Abs finish up. So whoever um, wh- whoever gets called up could go back down and play. And I'm assuming, you know, like Lindholm and, and Comfer and, and maybe even Smith too would get sent back down. So I'd, yeah, I'd say like a week from Tuesday would be when they they'd probably make the last call up if they do. Preferably Monday, not Tuesday, because Tuesday is a game day. Well, I mean, they might come up Monday, but the Avs like to save money, so they just do it on game day. <laughs> I guess that's what a Walmart CEO will do for you. <laughs> always low prices. Always. always. Speaking of always, you can always catch the uh, latest Avs news and updates at MileHighHockey.com, and that's where we post this show every week as well as soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast and mixcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast as well as the uh, glorious magic that is RSS. You can catch us on iTunes or your favorite RSS feed catcher. Um, and that was maybe the most awkward outro transition I've ever had. What do you think? It was okay. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty bad, uh, but I think it fits this team quite well. And so we'll end the show on that note. See ya. <laughs> I gotta say, I, now that now that I've actually put a little thought into the final call up, I mean, they really, I, I mean, they can't not do that, right? I mean, it, it would be so abs if they didn't just sort of blew it off, but <laughs> if they just didn't call up anybody else, yeah, they forgot. <laughs> if they forgot. Hey, I can hey, totally <laughs> see. See, <laughs> so Chris McFarland just comes running down the hallway with a wad of papers. Joe, Joe, Joe. You, We've got one more call. What do you want? What do you what, what do you what do you want? Do you remember Duncan Siemens? I I think I've heard that name before. Why? He's still on this team. I mean, Duncan's had a fantastic week. I mean, he had two assists in a game the other night. But they just dropped the puck on the last game of the season five minutes ago. No. <laughs> 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 <laughs>